Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you from a snowy morning in Brooklyn, New York. It's quite lovely. I'm up quite early because my guest is uh, across the oceans in another time zone. But it's really nice to see the quietness of the first major snowfall in New York. That is, um, the East Coast has gotten a bit of blanketing over the past week. This is our first taste of some accumulation and my first taste of it for the season, ah, winter. So let's get to warmer climates and warmer topics. My guest this week is the creative director at the Association of Future African Neurosurgeons. AFAM, and the Young Continental Association of African Neurosurgical Societies, YCANS. He is also creative director and chief medical illustrator of the Journal of Global Neurosurgery, as well as a junior committee member, World Federation of Neurosurgeons. He is passionate about contemporary illustrations of Black patients. He's worked assiduously to promote the use of black skin medical illustration in medical textbooks and public health materials, which has afforded him the opportunity to be featured in WebMD, Maryland Neurosurgery, and the Global Scalpel podcast, among others. I actually came across him on LinkedIn, just scanning through my, my timeline, and I saw this illustration that went viral. It was the illustration of a fetus in a black body. My heart just leapt at the page to see, oh my goodness, I love this. I love that I'm seeing this and I'm loving that this is something that is now a reality for for black people. And not just black people, for, for people globally to be able to make the connection between healthcare and medicine being not just for white people, being for all of us. And so he hopes to pursue a career in pediatric neurosurgery and establish an association for Black illustrators. Chidia Bere Ibe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So let's get right to it. Chidi Bere, <laughs> where are you from? Where are you local? And what is your craft? I'm from State. I live in Akwaibom State in Nigeria, but I'm from my born state. And what, what would you consider your craft? My craft? Okay. Oh, I'm a medical illustrator. I'm a Nigerian medical illustrator to have that. Okay. I kind of got into an introduction, but what inspired you to go along that path? What inspired me was having realized the lack of representation in medical illustrations and being a self-taught medical illustrator it made the journey quite difficult for me. So in the process of learning and teaching myself, I realized that most drawings were in white skin, and it was a challenge to me. It posed a big problem to me. And in the bid of addressing that issue, I became so inspired that, I mean, this could be something I could work toward addressing. And um, I quickly started working towards that. I mean, my, my ever first drawings were all in black skin. Then I started working towards that. I started making apps to represent the black people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So were you like artistic growing up? Was that all, Were you always drawing? Is that something that you always did? Not really, because when I was growing up, I wasn't artistic. So I officially started drawing in 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. I started drawing with pen and pencil in 2014, but mm-hmm. started doing medical assistance just last year. So I wasn't really, I didn't have any foundation of art up until 2014. Oh, okay. Okay. So just last year, you started going into the medical side of things. And you're self-taught. Right. When did you know that you wanted to be in medicine? 
okay, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor first, and I knew that I wanted to be um, a neurosurgeon, but I never knew that I wanted to also be a medical illustrator because up until last year, that's when I first heard of the word medical illustrations. And that was because as, as I was volunteering for my group, Association of Future African Neurosurgeons, while, while volunteering for them as a creative director, so my mentor, Dr. Orridge Sydney, he saw my art world and me, I loved medicine and I was also artistic. And so he introduced the word to me, medical illustration. I found it quite interesting mm-hmm. and I had to make a couple of research about it, what's, what medical illustrations were. I found it quite good. So I decided to say, okay, it's something I also want, to, also want to do also. And I started learning, I started um, getting better at that. Okay. And what were some of the resources that you used? Um, so the resources that I used um, was a very old computer and a computer mouse because I wasn't buoyant financially to get those drawing tablets. Mm-hmm. So I had to make use of what I had with the computer and a computer mouse and a software mm-hmm. Photoshop mm-hmm. To, to learn. Okay. Okay. So it all digital. You didn't have, from the start of this, it's all been digital. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. And any particular software or just Photoshop? Um, I actually started with Adobe Illustrator, but mm-hmm. I, I, Illustrator didn't give me um, the privilege to make this drawing to be realistic because uh-huh. Illustrator's are, are vector softwares. Yes. So I had to learn how to use Photoshop to, you know, to draw this thing. Because most professionals use Photoshop yes. to do their artwork. So I had yes. to learn how to use that. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So you found yourself now creating these drawings. And where did you think that this would land you? Because you're, you're not yet even in medical school, right? So where did you foresee this landing you? Well, to be very honest, I mean, I... First of all, I never expected this fame and notoriety. And uh, my whole goal of doing these drawings was just to advocate that mm. more of these drawings should be included in the medical textbook. Mm-hmm. And also, my expectation was that because I was planning to go to medical school and I could use this drawing as a, as a resource to generate funds from my medical school and to be able to get, let's say, uh, job offers or freelance offers that could generate resources for my tuition mm-hmm. and that was just the goal and also to for those who are already professionals in the field was also a way of telling them this is the this is the way forward let's do this but i didn't imagine that i'll be the center point for the change mm-hmm. because the whole goal was just to speak up for what i thought was a problem mm-hmm. and also that the big people in charge for example the association of make illustrators i realized that most drawings were all in white skin and most of them when i drew in black skin i posed them i would tag them so expecting that they would see that and also find that important to mm-hmm. you know, to get to go diverse in that drawings also. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you're preparing for medical school, and so I know that you're preparing to go off fairly soon. Where, and this is why I'm going to ask my my next question, which is my why the where question. So it's how did you come to be living, working, and playing where you are? But let's twist it and ask you why the where for where you plan to go to medical school. All right, first of all, I'm going to medical school in Ukraine, the key medical university in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I chose the school was, I mean, before now, I knew that key medical schools in, medical schools in Ukraine are actually not expensive mm-hmm. compared to other medical schools in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, um, and being that they also offer quality education compared to schools here in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that I could work, okay, work in school, work as, uh, you know, work and also raise tuition for my school. I mean, school fees a semester is just about $2,000. So I felt I would work 
there and also you have to pay my because I'm actually a self-sponsored student. So that's the reason why I choose Kiev Medical University. And also being that Kiev University is the best private university in, in the Ukraine. Mm. And I got admitted there, so I, mm-hmm. I felt it was a good opportunity for me to take and, and to and to leverage on that. Mm, okay. So it's very interesting because you are now this advocate for for black people and black skin in medicine. And now you're going to study in a very, very white country, <laughs> you know, more than any. Is the program in English? Yes, the program, the program is in English, rather. Okay. You know, people who studied in Eastern Europe and other countries where there is a language requirement. So how are you, is that part of the program where when you arrive, you're also taking language courses? All right. For, for Cube Medical University, you are given two options. It's either you take the course in English and you pay more, oh, okay. or you take in the Ukrainian language. And oh, also okay. taking a preparatory course as learning the Ukrainian language is optional. Oh, so because okay. since you are taking a course in English, there's basically no point doing a preparatory course in Ukraine. So for those, but for those who want to take a medicine in Ukraine, they have to take a preparatory course in Ukraine. Oh, prior to. Oh, okay, interesting. Is your intention to learn? They speak Russian. Or is it yes, uh, uh, yes. Some part of Ukraine speak Russian, but yeah. chief city itself uh-huh. um, speak Ukrainian. Okay, and and that that though is also kind of a, a derivative of the base Russian language, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. So when are you off? When are you taking off to what I have here, the snowy country? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually leaving. Around 20th of this month. I haven't okay. booked my flight yet, but around okay. 20th of this month. I'll okay. Be That's exciting new frontiers for you. Wow. Right. And and how long is that program? It's a six-year program. Six years. Okay. That includes your residency or you do a residency outside of that? How about um, how about a residency offer? So I will give you a residency offer. So like now, take my residency in the U.S. Oh, wow. So your your next step is coming to the U.S. Wonderful, wonderful. So you're specializing in neurosurgery. So first you'll do your six years in neurosurgery and then go to Harvard. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, I'll do a six year in general medicine. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Then I, mean, I think like our fourth year, we'll just major in neurosurgery, the residency in the U.S. Okay. So that's when you'll go to Harvard mm-hmm. in the fourth yes. year. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. That's so exciting for you. It's so interesting to be starting in the world and and coming into yourself after having a little bit of a base of being an illustrator. Speaking of places that you've gone and where you're going and where you are, I want to ask you my glocal speak question. So we want to hear what you hear. So I asked my guests to share a word, a phrase, or a saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as glocal speak. Yeah, I think basically in Nigeria we, we, we use a lot of pidgin languages, mm-hmm. like something like "God look shame us," you uh-huh. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's basically like it simply means that in as much as I'm working hard, God won't fail us, you know. So it's, uh-huh. it's, it's a slang that says "God look shame us," you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's a good one. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your experiences since you've kind of been discovered, and then a little bit more about the technical aspects of how you've driven yourself to kind of put together your portfolio of, of illustrations, you know, because you are focused on neurosurgery, but your, your drawings run the gamut. So tell us more about that. Okay. Basically, my portfolio are actually built on skin representation. Mm-hmm. Because in as much as I want to draw anatomy, anatomy basically might not represent the skin, might not really show 
what color skin mm. this image is. Mm -hmm. So most times I try as much as possible to bring the skin color into every drawing that I do. Mm. Because, for example, I have done a couple of neurosurgery illustrations where a lot of craniotomy, a lot of surgical procedures. And uh, I try as much possible to show, to show that this, the patient on, on surgery is a black patient. Because that's what I want people to see. Because the goal is that the first thing people see is the skin color, not just the surgical procedure. Mm -hmm. And that alone has helped me build a good portfolio. Mm -hmm. And being that I started drawing last year, I have over 100 illustrations already. Mm -hmm. And the majority of them are all black skin. I mean, I had a couple of jobs I had to do for clients, which were all in white skin because of their preference. Mm. But for people, for some clients, I did intentionally on black skin. And I'm missing to know that they actually love me that way. Mm -hmm. And that alone has been able to has, has, has helped me build my portfolio. And I realized that the only way to make people see these black drawings or this black skin was to do more of skin conditions, more of dermatology, mm -hmm. to represent mm -hmm. how eczema looks like on the black skin, to show how um, psoriasis looks like on the black skin. And uh, I had done that a couple of times. And... It actually gained a little audience some time ago. People will say, oh, amazing to see that these things like this, I mean, have not been spoken about. Up until when I created the black fetus, the black um, a woman with the black fetus that went viral. So the goal has been to create drawings that are black skinned in as much as they are surgical procedures. There should be a little representation that is a black skin. For example, if I'm drawing a complete anatomy where a skin, where there's no means to add a skin on it, what I simply do is to draw a doctor or a surgeon as mm. like a black person. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that, that alone has represented that, oh, there's still a black sense in that this image has to do with the black people. So that's pretty much how I walk around building my portfolio. Mm -hmm. So who are your clients? Who's coming to you, particularly for the drawings of color? Who are the general clients for medical illustrations and then particularly for your work? All right, sad to say, I, I think I am just my client because... Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I had done a couple of... I mean, for like one year in my drawing, I never had paying jobs. People just mm -hmm. came to do jobs for free. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in my just one year, I just had only two jobs, like two jobs. Okay. And the, the first was a white person, okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, which I did, and he didn't pay me up, up until now. <laughs> That's fine. And the second was was an African person, mm -hmm. okay, but he never had a, a skin color preference. So I just said, okay, I was going to do this on the black skin, and he loved it. So basically, I just had, I mean, in my journey, before everything went viral, I just had like two major jobs mm -hmm. that clients had called for. Aside that, I've just been doing my personal jobs. I've been drawing for myself and mm -hmm. my portfolio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. So is, is one of your goals then to actually put together an anatomy book or a medical conditions book or something of that nature and market that as, you know, you mentioned supporting yourself in medical school. Is that something that you've considered? Yes. I mean, that's pretty much the big goal for the year. And uh, <laughs> I'm actually putting together a, a couple of people I want to work with that would help me achieve that. Mm. And um, writers Good. and illustrators. So Good. that's my goal for the year is to at least get one quality textbook out. So, yeah. Market, yeah. Good. I love that because the first thing that I thought I was like, you know, 
African medical schools should be utilizing your services to revamp, redo, and even publishers should be utilizing your services to revamp and even for you to manage a team to come together and revamp the medical schools and medical texts that are being used in schools. Because all over Africa, every medical school is obviously using textbooks and materials that don't represent the people that they'll be looking at. And I've heard I've heard that often in the medical industry or profession is that oftentimes, and particularly in this part of the world, because you'll look at, you know, I can Google something and all of the images are and photos are of skin that's not like mine. And so particularly for dermatological things and just, you know, the skin is huge. There are so many dermatological issues. So when you're looking at that, you have no idea how it really is. You know, you could have 10 different things because they look very different on white skin than they look on on black skin or skin of color. And so how how do you foresee, I know you're doing this on your own, but in terms of now you being in the medical profession as a doctor, how do you see potentially influencing policy in Africa with your work? Okay, um, thank you for that. I mean, to be able to influence policy is that we are able to work with stakeholders who are responsible for implementing policies. Mm-hmm. Because as a single person, I'm not able to influence that alone. Yeah. But coming together with, with organizations and systems that are educational systems that are responsible for creating these materials mm-hmm. that can influence the change. For example, some weeks ago, Elsevier, which is one of the biggest publishing companies of medical, medical textbook publishers, reached out wanting to use my illustrations. I mean, that's how a publisher, a publishing house can be able to influence Mm-hmm. how textbook or how these um, drawings are included in textbook. But in Africa generally, the, the issue with Africa is that we haven't come to the point that we are able to appreciate our very thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know that there are a lot of smart people who are who produce their own textbooks, okay, here in Africa. And once as in, as these drawings are as these textbooks are produced, it's funny enough that they still rely on reading white illustrations mm-hmm. in African textbooks for African mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. So if the organizing body or the top leader responsible for, for creating resources like this or educational system or people responsible for creating curricula that, that medical students use here in Africa, see it, response, see it um, important to be able to see, oh, let's go diverse and um, let's include our black drawings. So when these stakeholders responsible for creating this come together to make an agreement, then we, which are the, which are the advocates, which are the artists, cannot produce this drawing. So I believe it's not just a one-person project, but when the leaders at the top, the those in the medical education, find it important that there's a need to go diverse in this, then that we, as an advocate and the illustrators, can work together with the stakeholders to changing these policies. And I believe that once the policy changes and become very inclusive, it begins to spread like a wildfire to create that change in, in the African setting. Mm-hmm. In your introduction, I mentioned that you're a part of a few organizations. And so from your organizational perspective, from those organizations, what are you all doing in particular to move the dial? All right. First of all, I'm going to start with the, uh, the, uh, my, my foundation, which is the Association of Future African Neurosurgeons. So it is an interest group that is focused on grooming African medical students to find interests to pursue career like neurosurgery. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to know that in Africa, there's some countries in Africa don't have neurosurgeons. Mm-hmm. And that is a sad thing to say. And that's because the cost of training to be a neurosurgeon is actually very expensive. 
and compared to African financial status or compared the resources that Africans would have to pursue expensive careers like that become very difficult for them. So this is where associations like Association of Future African University and AFAN come together to bring young Africans, young medical students to be mentored by Africans who are excelling in the area of neurosurgery. So once they are mentored, they find it interesting to to pursue careers like that because I'm a product of AFAN where I met my mentor who guided me to finding areas like this and to maximizing the opportunities mm. in them. Mm -hmm. So this is what AFAN, this is what a session like this does. And for areas for, for organizations like um, the Global Neurosurgical Committee, the World Federation of Neurosurgical Society, Global Neurosurgical Committee, what we focus on is to see how we can push the global neurosurgery to the world because the goal of healthcare system that it is to provide equitable healthcare and access the local communities in Africa can have access to, to neurosurgery care. And this is where um, committees like this come together to say, oh, how can we push neurosurgery care that people in that community that don't have neurosurgeon, how can they have access to a neurosurgeon? So this way we have visiting neurosurgeon come from the US to visit areas like Ethiopia, where they have where basically they may not have any neurosurgeon. So this way, these doctors come together to, to give training, to give to set up um, training programs in those areas where there are no neurosurgeons. So basically, it's a goal of, of improving Africa through neurosurgery. It's a goal of improving, of encouraging medical students also to find reasons to go into careers like neurosurgery mm -hmm. uh, at the aim or with the aim of improving Africa's healthcare outcome. So that's basically the work of these organizations. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so I don't know if I asked this, but how exactly did neurosurgery become your thing? All right. So first of all, I, I love the brain. I love how, how amazing the brain is. Growing up as a child and as a creative person, I've always been, I mean, focused on how does mind work to make us very creative? You know, I had to know, I mean, basically all my reading as a young child was how do we retain information? How does the brain work? And that's been my studies as a young child. Well, I had to go into neurosurgery because I lost my mom to cancer mm. and, uh, as a young child. Not being able to offer help to in times like that. The pain as a young child affected me mentally and my academic in secondary school. My studies had dropped. I, I wasn't performing well in school. And, um, and being that I had loved medicine, I had loved the brain. So the only way I thought of I could be able to, to live or, or to take away the pain from every other child was to go into neurosurgery because a lot of children go through a lot of pain that do not expect or that do not, what I say, seek for. But, but So the, the only way I, I thought of to, to take away that pain was to go through mm. to be a pediatric neurosurgeon, to be able to give children that happiness again, that, that joy again, and also to contribute to mm -hmm. Africa's healthcare system. So that's the reason why I choose to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. Mm -hmm. So here is the the bigger the bigger question. So you're you're going to study abroad, which many Africans do. And do you intend to return to Africa to practice? Is that your your goal? Yes, definitely, definitely. Yes, that's the goal. Okay, okay. Well, we're, we'll be looking for you because many of us go and don't come back because right. because you know there's there's. And, and quite honestly, the ability to do your job well relies on the capital infrastructure of the institutions that you work with. Right. So when you leave and you come back and you've been training and learning on the state-of-the-art equipment and in these state-of-the-art facilities, when you come back to 
Africa, in, in many situations, you may not have those capacities. And so in building in that, what, what is the vision that you seek to come back to in Africa? All right. Thank you for that. The goal is to encourage young Africans. Being that I'm a young person, and it's easy to relate to every young person or because I'm a young person. Mm-hmm. So one of my big goals is to start up an initiative, which is going to be the Association of African Medical Illustrators. What that initiative does is to encourage Africans to find career in medical illustration. Mm-hmm. Being that, as a self-taught illustrator, when I was learning, I didn't have the resources to learn. For example, I didn't have a good laptop to learn. I didn't have a good drawing tablet to learn. And it made learning difficult for me. And being that I was able to overcome that with limited resources that I had, and I feel it's also important that I also give back to Africa. Now, as I earlier said, the goal is to, to popularize black illustrations. And if I'm going to do that, I have to work with young Africans who are passionate about that also. And also to be able to, and of course, to be able to create an army of black illustrators. For example, in, in the U.S., we have the Association of Medical Illustrators. That's, that, that's the army of white illustrators, that people who draw white skin and all of that. And for able to, to be able to create and to advocate more black illustration, I need to work with Africans who have the same mind, who are also talented, who are also skilled and passionate about creating the joints. And of course, to be able to do that is to come back to Africa and to find people who have similar mindsets to work towards that. And so that entails that to be able to create that change, coming back to Africa is not a second option. It's something that I must do and something I'll keep on doing to create that change. And because my name is already out there and people are looking up to me, people are expecting a whole lot of from me. And I made a public pledge that I was going to give back to Africa. And of course, and that's the, the only way to do that is to create that, that avenue where I train people. For example, maybe this month I could say, oh, this month we'll be going to Kenya to train 50 medical students or 50 artists in area of, of medical locations. And when the training is done, we empower them with gadgets to use for training. Because I, I realize that the problem in Africa is that there are a whole lot of empowerment um, organizations who come to train people, but by the point, you don't give them resources to start up with. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the problem. So I want to be able to train these people and not also train them, to mentor them and to give them gadgets and give them required tools for them to work towards it. So that's the goal and that's why it's important that I come back to Africa to improve Africa's healthcare system through medical illustrations. Okay, I like that. That's a noble goal and I really, really, really hope to see it. So let me ask this because you have a definite interest in anatomy and you know illustrators can illustrate anything, but for this particular specialization, is there a technical, you know, when you if you were to put together a curriculum and training, is there a technical side of it? So how how do you, you know, you have these artists, or is it that many of them need to come with a bit of a medical interest? What would you say is the typical profile of the, the medical illustrators you're looking to groom? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So first of all, you must have an interest for medicine. Yes, because because in as much as you want to draw these things, you need to get the anatomy very right because it's what people are going to study. It's what people are going to read. And this will pass on from generation to generation. So it has to be people who have interest mm. for medicine Got it. and who are also have interest for art to be able to create this. Because in as much as we are, we are training people, we want results. We want evidential results where people can see, oh, and mm. in order to do that, interest has to be the priority. For example, I was able to learn yeah. These drawings in just one year. Right. That's because I had interest for medicine, I had interest for art. 
So be able to produce, we're able to produce good results. The key thing must be for those coming in, you have to have an interest for medicine, have an interest for art. Then from there, we could, we could teach foundations of how to use Photoshop because basically they are, they are asking no tutorials or medical education. So everything you have to learn is what you have to teach yourself. So being that I'll be able to conquer that and I have the basic knowledge to teach people, I'm, I'm able to find to teach them a way around all of this. And so that's pretty much it. Okay. That sounds good. Just interest, uh, interest and some specific technical interest is, is what, what you would look at. So this is a good point for me to ask you about a mindset hack. And so we're curious about what is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack. Now, this is one that you can imagine or one that you know of or practice. Okay. So one of my mindset hacks is um, <laughs> it's actually the hack of words. So basically, I use words to, to set my mind, you know, at... To give myself, what I say, the perspective that I wanted to go. For example, I realized that my words were actually powerful when something striking happened to me. Some years ago, I was traveling to somewhere. Uh, being that I had loved medicine, I wanted to be a medical doctor. I, I was so passionate about medicine. So I stood in front of a hospital to, to board a, a cab to where I was going to. And I'm mean, fascinated with the whole medicine thing. I looked at the hospital, how beautiful it was, how patients, how doctors were wearing their white coats with a stethoscope, and I, I wasn't a medical student because I had tried medical school five good times that I wasn't admitted. So I said to myself, when will I go into this hospital? You know, because I haven't been to hospital for a long time. After my birth, I haven't been to hospital. So I, I said to myself, when will I go into this hospital? And amazing to know that that same day, I, I went into the hospital. But I didn't go there as a doctor or as a medical student, but I went as a patient. So th- that's amazing that because while coming back home, I had an accident and we rushed to that same hospital. It was done on me that my words were actually powerful, that I could shape my mind with just my words. I could shape, I, I could determine my destiny with just my words. Mm-hmm. So I have to restate the statement, when will I be in the hospital as a medical student? Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. and I, I didn't realize that my words is what I used to shape my future and what I used to, pro- to reprogram my mind mm-hmm. to achieving success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Use your words well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so then speaking of, because that kind of triggers a different question in my mind as well. Is so, so like at different stages of your life, what do you think prepared you to successfully transition to each of the next phases? I would say one thing that prepared me was was losing my mother mm. because she was everything I had. She was basically the sole winner. She was basically everything that I had, everything. And uh, losing her at the very tender age had to reposition me to being independent. Mm. I had to think for myself. I had to cater for myself. I had to learn skills that would give me money. Else I was going to, uh, else I, I mean, I was going to, I, I didn't know how I was going to survive. Mm. So that alone had to, had just shifting my mentality to just being independent and being able to seize opportunity from everything I, I, I found because I'm someone that I never took the opportunities and everything I, I found the opportunity to learn, I had to learn it. So that single moment of losing something very precious to me mm-hmm. had to reprogram my mindset to being independent and, and I resulted to the success that I see today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, out of, out of loss does sometimes come and often comes um, fruits. So... Kudos to you, and I'm sure you're making your mother very proud as she as she's looking and, and being there with you. 
Tell us, so we've talked about you as a medical illustrator, and I know young people, when they're driven, they're very driven. So they want to do and do and stay engaged in those things. But who is Chide Abere when he's not a medical student or a medical illustrator? He's a singer. Oh, okay. He's a okay. He's, he's a photographer. He's a videographer. Okay. He was a mechanic. You know, he was a baker. Okay. Wow. <laughs> So what? So being a singer, what are some of your favorite listens and some of the favorite songs that you like to sing? Yeah, being I'm a Christian, so basically all the songs I listen to are basically gospel songs, and um, okay. yeah, I sing a lot of gospel songs in my church and in my church choir also. Okay, and uh, gospel songs. Yeah. Okay, now are they um, with local artists or international artists? International artists. I think I do more with international artists, okay. but I have a couple of local artists that I love so much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A couple of them. Yeah. Okay, tell us some of them. We're interested. All right, for local artists, I really love Moses Bliss. Mm-hmm. I love Nathaniel Bassi. I love Dusina Yinka. But for local artists, my best is Dusina Yinka. Mm-hmm. And um, for international artists, I love Travis Green. I love Todd Dunley. I love um, Phil Thompson. I love Donnie McClurkin. Uh, Donnie McClurkin, as he, he's the foundation. Like for uh, Basically, when I was training my pitch, how to sing higher, he was my was my role model in learning how to sing higher. So oh, I really look up to him a lot. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I like that. So do you play any instruments? Uh-huh. Yeah, I play the keyboard. Oh, okay. okay. Now, was that self-taught Piano. as well? Yeah, self-taught. Every, I, it's like, I mean, everything I learned was just self-taught. Everything <laughs> I okay. Do you want to give a shout-out to your, your church? It sounds like you're very involved with the church in that case. Yeah, shout out, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, I talk about God wherever I am. Um, okay. And, um, and and thanks to Assemblies of God Church okay, okay. For, for instilling the discipline to love God, to trust God, and to always keep faith alive in everything I do. Okay, okay, nice, nice, wonderful. So this has been a really wonderful conversation. I appreciate you taking time and, and spending time with me today and talking about a subject that is so important and so necessary. And we are going to keep watching you and seeing the evolution of the African medical illustrators army of illustrators that are coming forth. So just a question in terms of continental reach, have you been approached by many individuals or organizations across Africa? Across Africa, yeah, a couple, but but, but very few. But basically, mm-hmm. the, basically the, the reach out are actually from the U.S., from mm-hmm. the U.K., mm-hmm. mostly from the U.K. Okay. So uh, I think it's, it's just a few that is from Africa, but most of them are from the U.S., or U.K. rather. Okay, okay, which is a start. You know, I mean, the, the West often drives information dissemination across the continent, but I, I really do hope to see that there is transition in medical organizations because they, in my mind, they are the key to getting so medical organizations and the the publishers are the key to making this because what we're suffering from is, you know, the vestiges of colonization, you know, the reasons why we have our education systems in Africa are very much still colonial. I'm sorry to say. And so until we decide that we are taking our organizations back and that, definitely includes the materials that we're using, then we'll we'll still continue to idolize the other and not ourselves. And so I really, really, and hope that this platform, giving this platform to you will enlighten some others to even, you know, reach out, do what they can to 
to move, to put this on the map and keep moving it forward. All right. Yeah, sure. So with that said, do you have any last words for our listeners? Just a call to action to everybody out there. Because in as much as I'm working towards creating this change, mm-hmm. as Ella said, it's not just um, a project that I would do alone. But if you and I, as individuals, could learn our voices, could learn our skills, could learn our, our talents to, to, to advocating and to speaking up for something like this, I believe that in no distant time, the change would already be a norm. Because... The goal is to make our children see these things and to to create to make it already a norm in the nearest future. So it's just a call of action to call to action to everybody out there listening to this podcast or watching this podcast that the change happens with you and I coming together to making things happen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for that. So where can we find you? All right, you can find me on basically all social media platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, my email address is chitibaby24 at gmail.com. I think I respond to emails a bit faster. Okay. And um, yeah, that's basically, you can find me on um, basically on social media. Okay, so we'll put all of the links to Chitibaby's, um socials and his email in the show notes. And also all of those wonderful artists that he named will also be, we'll put links to some of their works and or links to them in the show notes. So those will be interesting show notes. And, and so just another question, what are you, what kind of text or what are you reading that, you know, might influence others that, that might be interested in this space or just for your leisure time? All right. I'm currently reading a book, You To Have A Brain, like You Have A mm. Brain by Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. So it's um, okay. a book I'm reading currently, but I mean, I, I've been so busy, so yeah. I just paused that for, for a yeah. bit, but that's the book I'm currently on right now. Okay. And that's par for the course for an aspiring neurosurgeon. <laughs> Okay. All right, folks. This has been another episode of Local Citizens. You can catch us each and every Tuesday with a new episode at www. And I know I don't need to see the www, but I like the sound of it. www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcast. Please recommend a guest, uh, share, subscribe. We love to present you with new content and new individuals in the dynamics of our diaspora every week. And so until next time, bye for now. <laughs>